In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. Hey, welcome back to this week's story. Uh, We are going to again tell the journeys, tell the life. (laughs) How are we crafting and writing our narratives? I I love this so much because I get to first hear the stories, and then we get to actually draw all of the conclusions, and then we can come alongside and we can help. And so, Rob, first of all, thank you. Thank you for coming along. Thank Thank you you for being willing to be authentic and share your story with us. Thank you. I understand you're uh, in a wonderful uh, Florida, and you've got the sun shining, and currently in northern Michigan, we've got a blizzard, so if we're going to get 10 oh, inches okay. or 15 inches while we're recording this, we've got that, you got that, hey, this yes. is where we're at. <laughs> you know, I'm 21 months down here, so uh, yes, I've, I've been through many of those blizzards up in the great Midwest. So. <laughs> All right, so let's jump in. Uh, we always begin this way, and I love this aspect. So, you know, we meet in an elevator just for our, our people listening. You got 30 seconds. Who is Rob? Yes, I am Rob Fenstermaker, and I will empower you to break down those walls of that castle you build up that are holding you back from taking that perfect <laughs> step of action you need to. We'll build that bridge so you can step into your kingdom and start living that life of significance. Well, that that sounded practiced. <laughs> that sounded good. <laughs> but who are you as far as an individual? Where's your identity? Where do you find well, yourself? You know, are you, you know, you know like, what are the other things that you would identify as? You know what I identify as is that, you know, I, I'm a child of God. I'm a, I'm a man of a principle. I'm a man of character. I'm a, a husband to my wife and father to my children. I'm friends to my friends. Uh, so I know what's important mm-hmm. in my life. And those relationships that I have, are what's you know or what's valuable the relationship i have with god mm. the relationship i have with my wife relationship i have with my children my youngest just turned 27 today and so that's a, a, a yeah i actually to I, when i was kind of uh looking at the backgrounds and looking at some of the things that that i'm sure we're going to probably talk about that was one of the biggest po- the longest posts that i've seen on your on your feed was the fact of celebrating the fact that your uh son was uh, turning 27 so i thought that was pretty awesome yeah. I don't know if it'll come up or not, but that, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and you know, his his story is really intertwined in my story. Actually, both my children's stories um, are mm. intertwined in, you know, the story of where I'm at now and how I've got here. Um, and it's very integral, uh, the things that have happened in their lives. It's very integral in, in what's gotten me to this point. And uh, I would love to share a little bit more about that. Yeah, let's let's jump in. And I mean, obviously, we always start with kind of the beginning, the growing up times, and and sometimes we we kind of skip over that pretty quickly. But what were what were the the significant events or the circumstances that you felt you kind of gathered or gleaned, or maybe somebody told you, hey, this is how you're going to live your life. What what was that life like growing up or, or starting right before you actually established adulthood? You know, growing up. You know, I, I was, I guess I was all boy. And, you know, I, I had those certain, you know, growing up in the, in the seventies, you know, you're, you're all boy. And I, I was kind of more focused on boy things. You know, I, I wanted to be a football player. I wanted to play in the NFL. That was my dream growing up. And, you know, unfortunately I didn't have the size, didn't have the speed, didn't have the strength 
to get past high school football. But as far as growing up, you know, I don't know that I really had a perspective of what I wanted to be when I grew up, that real solid identity. It was just more just trying to go through the motions of life. Mm. And, you know, it just kind of led me down some, you know, areas in, in life that maybe I didn't make the wisest decisions. Or I don't know. Maybe I didn't make the wisest decisions, make the wisest friend choices. Right. And uh, but you learn. You live and learn. And, you know, some of those things have served me well, learning those hard lessons, uh, learning those things that, you know, definitely got me in trouble a lot of times. But through it all, uh, I was able to persevere. I was able to to get past that and, and start figuring things out as I got into my adulthood. Now, do I, do I wish that uh, things had happened a little bit earlier? For me? Yeah, but you know what? It is what it is. And we all have uh that life story uh, of how we got there yeah and you know i love i love them when people say well, if i could only go back to age 16 and know what i know now i would do everything no you wouldn't you just make you make the same stupid mistakes but in a different way right uh, so there's no going back you just gotta you, I, I can't change the past but all i can do is learn from the past and i think that's what's empowering and i've learned a lot from from my past and just as far as Different things that you know I've had to go through, different struggles, different revelations that have come through through me as you know I went from you know child to teenager to young adult into adulthood into a married man. So what what are some of those things that stand out as transitions or some mm-hmm. of the, the beliefs or the the narrative that you were crafting back then? That you felt like, hey, I'm going to be this way the rest of my life, and then you learn the lesson. You obviously we we change, we adapt, we learn from failures. We learn from falling down and getting hurt. What what were some of those things? Yeah, as far as, as some of those things, it's creating some of those wrong identities, um, and that was that was a struggle I had uh, growing up because. Uh, Maybe I wasn't the most popular kid in school. I definitely wasn't. Maybe I was a bit of a punk. <laughs> that probably was. And so you you kind of get labeled as that uh, by teachers, whoever that you know you're you're just you're just a troublemaker, and um, yeah. you, you kind of carry that with you somewhat as a as a badge of honor. When you're 16, 17 years old, and you're being told those things, you accept them, and you you kind of carry it as that badge of honor not realizing that, you know, this is probably not going to serve me well as I, as I get older and, you know, try and get some stuff figured out. But, you know, some of the identity that kind of really impacted me in a bad way was times of loneliness. And that's something that, you know, growing up, there were some times that, that I had of loneliness that really kind of directed my thinking in a way that was not positive. But I, I can understand the the what that lonely feeling is. Yeah. You know, I went to one of the biggest universities in, in the country and it was huge and there was so much stuff to do, but it was also one of the most loneliest places to be as I was, you know, walking across that campus and um, it, it can be tough. And just as that, that was something I really, as I kind of, you know, came out of my late teens into my early twenties that I really had to deal with as far as just trying to, take that step and just kind of create an identity of, of being positive and who I really wanted to be. So in, in that loneliness, and I, I, we've talked about this on some other stories, but in that loneliness, how did that impact your confidence? How did that impact your, what we would term the self-worth? How did it impact your actions and your thoughts? I mean, obviously there's a deep feeling of, hey, I, I want to be connected. I want to be a part of something. And when you feel alone, you, you're not connected. So how yeah. did all of those things impact you? 
Yeah, you know, as far as the, the way it impacted me, the, the idea of I was I was connecting with the wrong people. I was connecting, trying to find a connection that way through people that, you know, maybe they accepted me or maybe we're just a little different, but we were kind of going down the wrong path. You know, it's just through getting involved in drugs, getting involved in probably too much drinking, that type of stuff. And it just made it just kind of exacerbated the situation. Not that I. Um, it just exacerbated the situation of, you know, uh, realizing that this was not uh, relationships that were serving me well, that were serving me in a positive way. Yeah. So when was the, and we'll kind of transition into when, when was the wake up call? Like when was the, some people call it the two by four to the, the, the noggin, you know, like when was the bend in the road? Like what, yeah. where was that at? Because on that path, so many individuals are unable to break free. They get in that peer group, they get in that influence and they just continue on down that path. And frankly, we see it all the time where people just are unable to break out of that. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the things that was a big breakthrough for me is just finally coming to terms with some family history that had never been talked about, uh, that had never been discussed. You know, my, my grandfather died when I was four years old on one side of the family died when I was four years old. It wasn't until I was 25 that I realized that he took his life. He took his life by his own hands because mm. nobody talked about it. Nobody would discuss that. It was just one of those things. Uh, and come to realize that there was a long history on that side of the family of men taking their lives. And so it kind of woke me up that, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. There's this kind of family history going down here. I'm a man and all these other men you know, took their lives at the prime of their life. I can't let this happen to me. I've got to come to a realization of who I want to be, who and whose I want to be. Mm. Um, so it, it really kind of took me down that uh, that road of really trying to discover the solid foundation for my life. What I what that foundation I wanted to, to, to my life to rest upon. And I began to understand that when that's solid, I'm making the right choices. I'm making the right decisions. And when there was no foundation at all, I wasn't making the right decisions. I wasn't making the right choices. I was just doing it, you know, what I call just flying by the seat of your pants lifestyle. And, you know, I'm, to, to a certain level, I'm still kind of that way. And it's kind of served me well. But if you don't have a, a focus of what you want to accomplish with that, then you're just going to kind of go wherever the winds, wherever the waters take you. And you're just going to go there with no real plan. So, and it's interesting. And we talk about this, especially when we're looking at the journey component and, and how we craft and write the narrative. Sometimes we don't want to look back. Sometimes individuals just don't want to take a look at their history or their family. They call it a family curse, but technically it's like family training almost where they train you in a specific path. <laughs> And again, some people will hear that that voice, and I'll, I'll I'll call it that. They hear the voice of, "Hey, it's time to wake up," and then they ignore it. So, how did you not ignore the voice? How did you allow the conversation then to wait a minute? I do need to make a path. I do need to 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 rewrite some of the history that's going on. Well, it's it just kind of scared me. <laughs> Once I came to that realization, it, it was scary that you know, am I going to go down the same path as well? And, you know, by that point, I had met some, you know, people in my life that were, you know, a little more uplifting, a little more positive, a little more fulfilling to me and kind of getting me in a, a different mindset. And, you know, th those kind of combinations 
it gave me some empowerment to say, well, wait, 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 wait. I, I, I can't be held prisoner to my past. I can learn from it, but I, I just got to take and embrace the opportunities of, you know, what this thing we call today has to offer. Yeah. Because that's what it is. You know, we can worry about tomorrow, but you know what? There's no guarantee we're going to get it tomorrow. Right. And, you know, identifying with your past, that's, you know, if you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, I just kind of call it the Uncle Rico effect. That's what it is. <laughs> we, we, we can't move past that. Um, and we miss right. everything that's in today because that's where all the opportunities exist is in today. And, you know, missing those opportunities and it could be, it doesn't need to be something huge. It just, a lot of times it's just the simple, small things of the opportunities where we have to make a difference in the lives, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those that we, we impact in just whatever small way. And when we live for that, that's what's, that's what's, that's what's living for significance is all about. And, yeah. you know, we, we have an opportunity to leave our mark in this world. And we, we have to be intentional about it. What, what, what's, you know, what, what's the message you want to leave? Is it a message of behold, this is who I was or beware, this is who I was. <laughs> that's, and that's pretty powerful, just that whole concept. But let's, when we're looking at that, okay, so in the loneliness and in that time growing up, uh, there is that certain belief of, and I, I would, and I apologize, I kind of feel like I'm projecting on you, but you tell me if this is factual or not, but on the loneliness, we're actually looking internal. And now through the last couple of minutes of talking, it's almost like you're looking external. Is that, so if you were to sum it up, if you were to sum it up in this way, what would be that, that thought process or the, the way that you looked at your life during that lonely time and during those things, and then again, getting scared, just like you said, and then kind of shifting. So kind of walk me through that component. You know, as far as the loneliness, it, you're right. You you are really looking internal. You're really kind of you know wondering um, why you know why can I not make relationships? You know why can I not uh, move past you know this? You know the relationships that I kind of made in my teens. I mean, there were some you know good friends, and I've stayed in contact with them. But we were also again, like I'll kind of go back. We were boys, and we did stupid boy things. Um, we all do, we all do stupid boy things, right, you right. know, and, but, and some of those were, you know, I, I can look back on them now and I can laugh on them, but once I kind of moved past that, you know, got kind of moved on from, you know, being that 17 year old and kind of still trying to maybe hang on to that, you, you realize that uh, it's not going to work anymore. And so, you know, the idea of loneliness it, it, for, for me uh, was just hours just spent not really focused on what it is I want to accomplish. Now, I'm all for solitude. Don't get me wrong. There's, solitude is fantastic. We we need those moments of solitude. We need to just get off by ourselves. I mean, Jesus Christ got off by himself quite often because he needed time to refresh and recharge. Uh, but loneliness is something else. That's just... It, it, that's where you're kind of getting into that dangerous space of, you know, not really understanding who you are you're not fed in a way that takes you to the takes you to that next level or just kind of moves you in a direction that you want to go you just kind of maybe start accepting things and this is yeah. the way it's always going to be and that's kind of what loneliness kind of mm. did to me for a couple of years 
Man, that's dangerous too. Yeah. Just to accept it the way it yeah. is and to just uh, kind of roll over. I mean, there's, wow. All right. So as we kind of look at that, um, and I know that you're doing this now, because obviously, like we mentioned at the beginning, you, you're really tied in with your kids' life and with mm-hmm. your family's life. And then you also work into the community. So maybe take us through some of that transition from going to that, from from that position of, like you said, not really wanting I don't want to say passively accept whatever life was going to throw to you yeah. to now becoming, I'll call you a conqueror because <laughs> it's really like, that's, that's how you project. Yeah. And that's where you're going is like, how do, how do you move from if somebody's in that position to now where you're at? And I know, and we'll probably talk about some of these things. What are the habits and the, the things that you're doing now? And what do you, what do you glory in? <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of back up, you know, you kind of, uh, I, I did not grow up churched. Okay. I did not grow up churched at all. I mean, we didn't even, we weren't even what they call them, priesters, where you go to church at Christmas and Easter. We didn't even do that. Um, <laughs> um, but it wasn't until I, you know, late 20s, early 30s, where I kind of started, you know, stepping into this, you know, a, a little bit of, uh, of faith. Um, and when I was, when I met my wife, she was active in her church community. And then we had our first child. And, it's funny, you know, my wife grew up Catholic. I didn't grow up in anything, but growing up Catholic is, you know, I, I have family, there's people in my family that are Catholic, so I had a little bit of understanding what Catholicism is, but, you know, my wife was kind of, you know, on that fence, so, you know, I want to continue in the Catholic Church, or what do I want to do? But her parents were adamant. You know, you're going to get married in the Catholic Church. We're paying for the wedding. That's going to happen. I'm like, okay, fine. That's that's fine. I, you know, I didn't have any leg to stand on with that. So we got married in the Catholic Church. <laughs> Within a year, we had our first child. And they're like, well, you're going to get this child baptized in the Catholic Church. I'm like, okay, I guess we're getting this child baptized in the Catholic Church. But in between our first child and our second child, that's when I really came to my faith. And we went, started attending a, you know, non-denominational congregation. And when the time when our second child was born, the expectation was you're going to get him, you know, baptized in the Catholic church. And by that time I started, I have had an understanding of, you know, what my faith was telling me, you know, what the Bible said. I'm like, well, no, (laughs) I'm not going to do that. And I would challenge, you know, I challenged him, just show me in. If you can show me in the Bible where it says that I need to do that, then gladly, I'll do it. And of course, there, there's nothing in the Bible that says I need to do that. So it caused a little bit of, it caused some friction. But in that time, you know, I, I can share it, you know, today was my, my son's 27th birthday. So a couple of years prior, uh, we had started, like I said, we became, you know, very faithful in this church. And our son was born. And within six weeks, we knew there was something that wasn't quite right. And we had to take him into the hospital and found out he basically had no blood platelets. So it kind of just went down this long road of where we were at to the point in March. He was born in November and March. He was basically given a 5% chance of survival. So at that point, you're like, okay, what's going on here? And it was those people we hadn't even met in this church yet, the ones who were reaching out to us. They were the ones that were showing us uh, what this is all about. They were the ones that were there for us going through this. And that is what, you know, changed everything for me. That's what changed my perspective on everything that of how I understood what the church was all about, what it meant to be a man and woman of God. And that was, to me, that was 
one of the, the turning points in my life as far as how I was going to live my faith, how I was going to exercise who I was, and how I was going to identify myself with how I wanted to go forward. Isn't it interesting? And there's two things here that you that you said um, that one, and this was early on there, is that when when the when two narratives clash, there's always friction. And how you were talking about the the aspect of well, you of course you're going to get him baptized, and of course you're going to live this way, and of course you're going to, and yet you were starting to craft your narrative, and there was friction there, and and, and I'm sure there's probably a lot we could talk about on that aspect. But then the second thing is yeah. that you kind of brought out is it's when you're in that community and you're feeling that loneliness and somebody reaches out and somebody says, Hey, I see you just that little bit can totally shift an entire trajectory of somebody's life. And I'll let you speak on either one, like whichever way you'd like to go. But there were two big things right there that I felt were really key in that whole transitional movement there. Yeah. You know, you talked about the friction and I absolutely believe that, you know, Anything we do, we have to have that solid foundation of beliefs. We, we that because everything, everything we do, every choice yep. we make, every decision we make has to rest on that. And when it's solid, you're making the right choices, you're making the right decisions. And so you really need to evaluate what it is you believe. Do you believe? Is this what you truly believe, or is this just something that's been passed down through your family history? And if that's the case, does it serve you? If it doesn't serve you, then you have to evaluate that. Uh, because when you're not solid in your beliefs, your chances are you making the right choices and the right decisions are not good. But when I when I say you got to be solid in that, you, you got to be so solid in that belief. Is this something that you are willing to charge up a hill and take your stand for? If it is, then you know you got to hang on to it. If not, then maybe you know really kind of evaluate that and, and inspect that because that's important. Because those things. And you're right. It can, it can cause friction when you're kind of going against maybe something that's gone down through your your family history, your family lineage, that maybe you're kind of taking a, a different stand. It's no secret that in this day and age, we're in a very polarized society. and You see families breaking up over just something as silly as a belief. They're, they're missing the main thing. And I say you got to keep the main thing the main thing. And if you're a family, well, the main thing is... What's that relationship? You know, and I, you know, I, I get sometimes, you know, things happen in families and there's things that happen in my families that maybe it's not best to have that person as part of your life. But if they're in your family, you, you really need to maybe evaluate, evaluate it and really kind of, you know, challenge that friction and figure out where that friction's coming from. It serves you well. I mean, it served me well to really uh, dig into those things that I know to be true in my life. And I, like to, and I like to say, I'm an expert. I'm an expert on me. So, <laughs> and you're an expert on you. We're all, we're all, we all have expertise, and that expertise is in who we are. And, you know, when, when, you, when you are solid on that, then you are a solid expert on who you are. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love, and it comes down to, and I think you were basically mentioning this, it comes down to why. Why do I believe this? And, and questioning yeah. and saying, okay, I need to have a solid foundation in order to make solid decisions. And therefore, I need to look at my that the beliefs that I've established and whether they're passed down or mm -hmm. society is telling us, how, wherever that's coming from is why? why what is yeah. that? Yeah. And to get to the second part of your question there, a lot of times the greatest thing we can do for us, the greatest gift we can give to somebody is just to listen, mm. just to listen. That's, that's, that's empathy. You know, we think we need to be sympathetic, but sy sympathy is really making it about yourself. 
Empathy is you're making this about the other person. You're, you know, you're getting in their shoes and you're, you're feeling their pain. As a man, that doesn't necessarily come natural to us. It's, you know, it's, it's definitely more a feminine energy than a masculine energy. But through the years, I had to learn how to develop my empathy. So it has served me well, uh, really kind of trying to understand that, especially mm-hmm. raising a, a daughter who was, uh, needless to say, she was probably a lot like me and stubborn <laughs> in a lot of her ways. Uh, but she still is still, you know, she was still a female. Right. And um, she just wanted her dad to listen and to be empathetic. And, you know, it, you know, kind of go back to the society we're in now where, you know, we have fringes on either side. that They believe that the one who loud, yells the loudest is going to get their way. And, okay. All right. I, I don't mm. believe that. But I think the ones who really listen, I don't have to believe, you know, I don't have to necessarily 100% believe in what it is you believe in, but listening to it and giving it some validation, that's powerful. You know, I'll validate that that's your belief. I'm not going to validate the crazy, but I will validate what it is you believe. And we can have different, you know, political opinions or different opinions of how to raise children, whatever. It doesn't mean I have to agree with it, but I can validate it. That that's what you believe. That that and that's that's what empathy's about. And that, that's and yeah, we, we need to get back to empathy. Oh, absolutely. And I think it was one of the things you said earlier is I'm an expert on me. I'm not necessarily an expert on you, but I'm an expert yeah. on me, right? <laughs> so it fits well, in perfectly. All we're all experts. exactly. <laughs> so what are some things that you do on a daily basis to uh, continue to craft your narrative and continue to walk in the path that you want to walk in? Well, you know, one of the things I do is I really just focus on what opportunities are there. Before I go to bed each day, I really kind of look at, you know, what my next day is going to hold. I, I look at where possible opportunities may lie. And when those opportunities happen, I embrace them in, in the best I can. Uh, so I, I think that's what's important is just living for the moment. I mean, you, you want to have a plan for, you know, what your future holds. You you want to have a, a, a direction, a focus. Uh, but once you've got that in place, you got to execute it. And how you execute it is each day doing that. So, I mean, as far as what I do, I, I spend time in the morning journaling. I love to journal. I've journaled for years and years and years. I probably have journaled for 25 years. And much to my wife's chagrin, I have saved every one of those moleskins. And she's like, can we get rid of these? I'm like, nope, you aren't touching those. And I've got them on the bookshelf. And periodically, I will pull them out. And I just, and I've always, every time I journal something, I date it. I, I give it a specific date of, you know, what I wrote on that day. And I'll just kind of grab one, and you know, maybe once or twice a year and just kind of read. I don't know particular, and I'll just kind of open it up and see where I was at on that date and what my thought process was and what my, you know, what, what I was talking about. And I started to notice just kind of a lot of symmetry. You know, those thoughts have always been there and they just kind of carried me forward. And it helps me to stay grounded on those things that I know to be true. It helps me to really bring into clarity uh, as far as what I want to accomplish. And more importantly, I mean, I, I learned years ago uh, that if, if you journaling, the great authors of our time, you know, they've all journaled. And that's how they've written their books. They just pick up their journals and like, all right, here's all the thoughts. Here's all the ideas I've had. And they just kind of embellish them on there. And so that's what's important to me. And that's, you know, 
the thoughts and ideas I have just didn't come to me in a moment. They've come through years and years of years of crafting them and really honing them down and just yeah. trying to bring clarity to them. I, I've talked about journaling a lot. I'm going to take a real quick rabbit trail and we'll get right back on track because I've talked about journaling a lot. I think this is important. The question that I always get asked is, Tim, you just don't understand. I am not a writer. I'm not a journaler. I'm not this or that or whatever. And I always hear that exact same thing. So I, I'm going to ask you two questions. One is if somebody came and said that to you, what would you say to them? And then the second question is, of all of the things that you've journaled, what would you say is the greatest benefit of those journals? Okay. Someone comes to me and says, I'm not a, okay, well, are you a thinker? And I think we're all thinkers. Just write down your thoughts. That's all journaling is. It's just writing down your thoughts, you know, as you spend time reflecting. And that's kind of where I really get, you know, I, I will spend some time, I'll read the Bible and I'll just kind of really reflect on it. And a lot of that's what a lot of my journaling is about. Those thoughts that just came to me. It may love that. be related to that, or it just may be related to something else. But that's that's all journaling is, the thoughts you have, writing them down. Uh, because, you know, we all get these thoughts. <laughs> and I've, I'm guilty of this, too. We all get these thoughts, and you're like, you don't have something to write it down. And then, like, an hour later, wait, wait, that was a great thought. I know. What, what exactly did I say? What did I say? I'm like, yeah. What was it? What was it? What was it? So, I, you know, um, <laughs> I, I learned that just, you know, just carry something with you. Just it doesn't, you know. Just yeah. write it down. Just get, I did maybe just give myself a couple of words to, or, you know, a couple of bullet points to just really, you know, get the brain synapses firing again about what it is that I said. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's all journaling is. It's just your thoughts. Yeah. The greatest benefit. What's what's the greatest benefit? What what's what? Why the the greatest benefit for me is that it's just really helped me build that foundation for my life. It's really helped me to understand who I am and whose I am, because as I, as I get those messages, I get those thoughts and you write them down and there's, there's clarity on that. And I've had the opportunity to lead different groups, lead different, you know, men, women, however. And, you know, part of being a leader is you've got to have a foundation. You've got to have that vision. And that's what it's helped me to do is to create that vision. Because that's what leadership is. You're creating a vision and you're casting it out there. Mm. And you need to have, you know, you've got to, that vision you create brings in your tribe, whatever you want to call it, for you to lead. Because if you don't have that vision and you say you're a leader and nobody's following you, you're just kind of out for a Sunday stroll at that point, um, and that, and so exactly that that's what's that's that's what I really have got now. It's just that vision that I have uh, for the life I yeah. want to live, uh, the life I want to lead, and uh, if others want to come along with me, fantastic. I'll take them on that journey. I love that. Absolutely love that. So, all right. Well, we're winding winding down as far as our time. But what is what would be one thing? Somebody walks away from listening to this. What would be that one thing that you want them to walk away with? The one thing that you want them to remember? You know, we all have an opportunity to do something with our lives. And I'm, I'm going to go back to the movie Shawshank Redemption. This is where I've gotten a lot of this from. I think there's two primary people in the world. If you've ever, have you seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So I know there, where you're going. There, I love it. <laughs> there, 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 there's two primary people in the world. Okay. And the, the first person is that one who, it just builds up these walls around their life. And they they become so comfortable behind those walls that to break down those walls is just terrifying. They don't, ah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I, I, I can't go, get beyond this. And, and they do nothing. 
they're more comfortable behind these walls, even though they're miserable. Um, Brooks, he's a classic example in the movie Shawshank Redemption. He lived mm -hmm. the majority of his life in prison. He got to go free. He didn't know what to do. He just panicked. And he panicked by hanging himself in his room. And the other type is Red. Okay, he's behind these walls, but he knows he wants something else. He knows he wants something more out of his life. And once his walls come down for him, yeah, he's a little lost. He's trying to figure it out. But a, a guide comes along and shows him the way. And that's what a lot of people want. They just want somebody to show them the way. You need to take the action. You know, I'll show you the way. I can't take the action for you. And that's what people need to understand. The action is on you. What do you want out of your life? Yeah. What do you want to be? What is it you want to become? Just take the action. You know, too many people will spend years and years and years saying, if only, you know, I need, I need the perfect time to, to act. And they'll say that. They'll come up with a litany of excuses. I need the kids out of the house or I need X number of dollars, whatever it may be. And they sit there and finally one day they wake up and they ask, well, what happened? They let life happen to them instead of them being intentional and them happening to life. And that's what it's about. You got to happen to life. You got to be intentional in your actions. If you want to go do something, you want to go to the next level. If you want to be that person of integrity or whatever it is you want to be, it's on you. You have to be the one that takes action. And that's what I want people to mm -hmm. carry away. You have to be an action taker. Absolutely. Man, I, I love that aspect. And it's so true. I mean, you can... The, the old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You've got right. you've got to take the action for yourself. You absolutely yeah. have to. So how can people get in contact with you? What's the best way to, to find you, especially if what you've said is resonating with somebody? How can they get in contact with you? Okay. Well, I have a website. It's Rob Fenstermaker, R-O-B-F-E-N-S-T-E-R-M-A-K-E-R.com. Well, spell, spell that again, because that was quick. Yeah, spell yes. again. I know. I said it quick. It's Rob Fenstermaker. It's all one word. R O B. F-E-N-S-T-E-R-M-A-K-E-R.com. Or you can just reach out to me via email at rob at robfenstermaker.com. Pretty much all over social media. Find me on LinkedIn. Find me on Facebook. Find me on Instagram. So I'm the same. Just Rob Fenstermaker. Just look me up that way. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Love and uh, just uh, feel free to reach yeah. out. Yep, absolutely. And I, I say this every time, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. And again, all the guests that we have, all the people that are telling their stories, the reason why they can tell the story the way that they can is because they've been through it. And knowing that you're not alone gives the power to be able to say, yeah, you can reach out. And so, again, from the bottom of my heart, and I know from the bottom of Rob's heart, if something that, that was said, something we talked about resonated with you, something changed your life, something was just like, man, that's, that was powerful, we want to hear about it. We really, truly want to hear, even if it's just a simple email, like, hey, thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing the story. We want to hear about it. And again, reach out directly to Rob. I'm totally fine with that. If that's where you want to go, that's awesome. If you want to reach out to me, we definitely share those stories out all the time. Other than that, uh, we're obviously, if you're listening to this on a podcast, we're on YouTube, so you got to hit the subscribe buttons. Love to be able to share with you again. Rob, I can't thank you enough. I really, really appreciate you sharing the authentic part of your story and, and, and the emotion that comes out. I, I just really, really appreciate that. I appreciate it, Tim. I appreciate the opportunity as well. And so until the next story comes out, until the next narrative that we have, again, everybody keep writing your narrative, keep crafting that journey, because only you, just like Rob said, only you can take the action to make it happen. Yes, sir.
Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live. Enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.